after the new year, if they start signaling for a pause, all of a sudden, all those headwinds that were an issue for a lot of the tech stocks all of a sudden become a tailwind for the NASDAQ constituents. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. This week, the Fed raised its key interest rate by another 75 basis points in an effort to tame inflation. As we teeter between a soft and hard landing, could this aggressive move tip the scales? In today's episode, portfolio managers Alfred Lee, Matt Montemoro, and your host, Mark Rays, discuss how the market seems to be striking off bad news. They also look at mid-year tax loss selling, a big week for NASDAQ companies, and a potential commodity supercycle. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello, and welcome to our BMO ETF weekly insight call with our team of experts. I'm today's host, Mark Race, head of product for BMO Global Asset Management. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. We appreciate you listening in. Today, we have Alfred Lee and Matt Montemiro on the call, both portfolio managers on our ETF desk. So thanks to both of you for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having us, Mark. Great. Let's get right into the questions. Of course, we've got lots of activity going on and news even today. We did get more tightening from the Fed. And as you analyze that and as markets react, what is the market expectation if you think about a soft or hard economic landing? And to put it in context, what does it mean for broad equities such as our S&P 500 ZSP ETF? Thanks. Sure. So we just got another rate hike by the Fed just now, uh, 75 basis points. So largely what the market was anticipating. But just in terms of what the market is pricing in right now, it's somewhere between soft landing and a hard landing. Um, So just looking at the S&P 500 as a proxy, uh, typically during any recession, the average drop in the S&P 500 is is roughly about 32%. So uh, using ZSP.U, again, as a proxy, uh, it was down at one point at about 24%. Um, So I would say, you know, it's somewhere in between there. Um, but also, you know, when you're looking at valuations, the P ratio of the S&P 500 right now is 19.7 times earnings right now. So essentially where it was uh, back in April 2020. So, you know, when you're looking at the market right now, I'd say, you know, the Fed policies and central bank tightening have been very effective in, in terms of removing the froth out of the market. But when you're looking at the underlying characteristics of the market, I would say, you know, there are some proof points there which make it ripe for a turnaround. For example, you know, in addition to the valuations, you look at things like the city macroeconomic surprise index, we're starting to see some more, more and more negative surprises, which I would say is a good thing, given that expectations essentially get revised lower. And then, you know, all of a sudden, we're going to get positive surprises over the next couple of months, potentially. But in terms of, you know, the expectations or the potential for, you know, a bear case, which is, you know, markets going down further or a hard or a hard landing, essentially, how that would happen is essentially, 
if we continue to see inflation uh, continue to tick up, and then the Fed would have essentially no option but to maintain interest rates at a high level or continue to hike rates. And then what would happen is, you know, if you look at companies, it would be more costly for them to uh, leverage up their balance sheet. Growth would be lower. As a result with, uh, of that, earnings would be revised lower, and then prices would have to uh, reprice lower as a result of that as well. So, you know, in essence, the markets would move lower as a result of that. But, you know, overall, I think the base case right now is, is for a soft landing or at least somewhere in between. That's what the market is pricing in right now. When you look at a lot of the data points, especially on the economic side, there's a lot of, you know, we're starting to see some good news now. Uh, even though when you look at headline inflation in the U.S., continues to move up. So the last reading we got for the CPI was 9.1% uh, year over year, which is you know, obviously a very high number, a number we haven't seen in the last 40 years. But when you strip out you know, food and energy, so when you look at core CPI, which I would argue is the more important number given that you know, that's a lot of the noise created by Russia and Ukraine, that's been coming down over the last three months. It's down to 5.9% right now. On top of that, other signs that inflation potentially is peaking as commodity prices cooling off, uh, housing uh, prices starting to cool. And even when you look at inventory at certain stores like Walmart, uh, we're starting to see inventory build right now, which means supply, chain, supply chains are starting to resolve. So if we continue to see signs inflation has peaked, um, I think equity markets potentially are in good shape. As I mentioned before, we don't need um, the Fed to be to become does, right? We just need to, them to become a little bit less hawkish at this point. So when you look at the OIS market, uh, it's essentially pricing in the Fed cut in, in March 2023. But again, I think the next six to eight months is going to be very critical in terms of you know, determining the outlook for the equity markets. If we do see you know, continued signs of peak inflation, I think that's going to be good for the equity markets. So when you look at core ETFs like ZSP, uh, ZCN, which is our S&P TSX, and even ZEA, which is our EFI, uh, ETF, those are cost-efficient ways of getting into the market at this point. Great. Thanks for that, Alfred. And certainly seeing different signals in the market, uh, even looking at VIX now tracking down below 25, certainly some different expectations out there. Would you like to hear more from BMO Global Asset Management's team of investment experts? Check out the BMO Market Insights podcast. These timely, client-friendly episodes deliver the latest news and commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing, with a focus on exchange-traded funds. Available now at bmoetfs.ca, that's bmoetfs.ca, or on your favorite podcast platform. Now, can we extend this conversation to fixed income? Of course, we're all aware of the rise in interest rates this year, uh, year-to-date around 150 basis points. But how are fixed income markets reacting in the short term? And as you look at that, what is the ticker you recommend in these conditions? I can take this one, Mark. And you know, as Alfred said, I think it's still too early to tell if we, we are going to be at a soft landing or hard landing. Uh, but at minimum, I do think it's going to be a challenge uh, for both central banks to ensure that that soft landing, you know, a lot will have to go right uh, in their timing and the the market expectations for for that to happen. So, you know, looking year to date, we've seen uh, a pretty wild ride uh, for rates, and it continued today with uh, today's Fed meeting. Uh, you know, market was pricing pricing in 75 basis point hike, 
and that's exactly what what we saw. Uh, it was very well telegraphed and, and and basically kind of came in without much of a, of, a, of a wave. You know, if you look at the bond market, you know, it was pretty muted and, and started to rally post-announcement. And we saw actually something similar happen uh, after the Bank of Canada uh, raised rates by that 100 basis point raise in mid-July. You know, I think there was some question whether the Fed would follow uh, the Bank of Canada's lead with a 100 basis point uh, raise, but they decided to stay on their kind of well-telegraphed path, do 75 basis points. This leaves kind of overnight rates in Canada and the U.S. aligned at about 2.5%. You know, that's year-to-date increases of 2.25% with Again, some pretty aggressive policy uh, continued to be priced in for the remainder of the year and potentially some reversals, as Alfred had mentioned, in starting in March of, of 2023. You know, if you look at returns year to date, you know, it's caused, you know, that kind of rapid rate increases. It's caused fixed income across the curve to feel a lot of pain. You know, we've seen significant negative returns in fixed income. You know, and that's led a lot of investors to kind of wonder what to do. Uh, a lot of investors were undergoing some mid-year tax loss selling to to find some sort of silver lining from from some of the negative returns that we've seen. Uh, you know, but I do think that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, looking at today's bond market moves after the Fed looking at the moves of the bond market that rally after the Bank of Canada surprise of 100 basis points. You know, I think that is a positive sign uh, for the market. You know, this might be the first sign that there is light at the end of the tunnel and that the worst might be behind us. You know, with such aggressive policy priced into the market, we're starting to see investors look for opportunity rather than just hiding in cash uh, or, or hugging uh, the, the ultra short end of the curve. So we have seen investors start to contemplate whether it's the buying opportunity, whether it's time to consider the long end. Uh, and again, just those that market prediction of uh, a reversal, a rate uh, cut in, in March 2023 definitely kind of is along those lines. You know, so if you look at those year-to-date returns and, and you know, some of them, in the section in the long end are in the mid-negative 20%, you know, a lot of investors could continue to ask themselves, you know, is this the bottom? Is this the time to buy? You know, for me, I still remain cautious about the long end, but I do think an opportunity is coming, especially as the market continues to absorb these kind of mega hikes that, that were once deemed kind of unfathomable for developed markets. Uh, you know, I think the market is coming to a point where uh, the long end could start to look uh, attractive. You know, looking at fund uh, ETFs like ZFL, ZPL, ZLC, ZTL would be ways and, and, and would be funds that I would start to monitor as we move into the fall. I still think that there's a lot of volatility ahead, so I would be concerned about putting that trade on too soon, but definitely something I am monitoring because I think a buying opportunity is coming. But for now, I would look at something like ZQB or ZBI as complements to my fixed income. ZQB are quality bond, A-rated bonds and above. You know, that provides some protection from, you know, some of those higher beta triple B rated names that might sell off if if the economy does meaningfully slow down. Uh, While it provides kind of a shorter duration around three. uh, So for the short term, 
you know, I think credit spreads continue to be wider than historical norms. So I think ZQB could be uh, something that uh, is attractive now and then well into uh, into the fall and in, in, in the beginning of 2023. So that's something I would look at uh, in in my uh, the credit side of my portfolio. I would also look at ZBI, which I believe is a unique uh, proposition, very well suited for the environment. You know, it's a very attractive yield at around 5% with a, with a duration of two and a half years. So again, you're getting that kind of killing two birds with one stone. You're lowering your volatility with a lower duration, but you're still clipping a pretty attractive yield with that 5% kind of bogey there. Uh, you know, the hybrid portion of the portfolio should be well suited for, for that continued rising rate environment and should provide you some upside in the fixed income uh, allocation of your portfolio. So I think that right now, while I am monitoring the long end, I would look at ZQB and ZBI as, as some shorter term uh, ETFs that I would consider for the current market. But, you know, I definitely think that there are going to be some new opportunities on the horizon in the fall as Hopefully, we start to see inflation materially cool down uh, and and go uh, move into uh, you know late 2022 and into early 2023. Right. Thanks for that, Matt. We're certainly seeing a different story in fixed income over the short term, where vol- volatility creates opportunity. We've seen ZAG or aggregate bond up over five percent since those uh, mid-June lows. So appreciate that update. Now, let's go back to equities, where advisors have certainly been paying attention to the NASDAQ 100, which we offer through our ZNQ and Hedge ZQQ, uh, looking for buying opportunities here. Now, we've had top holdings uh, reporting earnings this week. Uh, So what does that news mean for the NASDAQ 100 in the direction of perhaps where this market will go? And what are some of the considerations that the market is considering when looking at these earning reports? Yeah, so, you know, definitely a big week for NASDAQ companies. Uh, Microsoft started, um, you know, some of the reports earlier this week. Uh, Wasn't exactly a good start. You know, hopefully not a sign of things to come. So they missed on earnings, uh, mostly attributed to, you know, slower than expected growth in its uh, cloud division, also attributed to a stronger U.S. dollar. Uh, Google also reported as well. They missed, uh, but, you know, the market was more focused on the ad revenue, which was strong. Uh, On the flip side of that, we also had Texas Instrument, which also reported, you know, it's not quite one of the high-profile names in the NASDAQ index, but it's still a top 20 holding in ZNQ and ZQQ. Um, They had had a pretty decent beat versus market expectations. And, you know, on the schedule for later this week on Thursday, uh, we have Amazon, uh, Meta, Uh, Intel as well. So hopefully they're going to be more in line with Texas Instruments more so uh, than Microsoft. So um, I think the market will be focused on earnings, but I think arguably it's going to be more, uh, you know, more focused on forward guidance in terms of, you know, what the companies are going to provide in terms of uh, earnings per share going forward. Um, You know, I think if uh, they get weak guidance, obviously, you know, earnings will have to revise lower and then those P multiples will have to uh, reflect that as well, which, you know, would mean lower stock prices. Uh, but I think overall, I think if you take a step back, I think a lot of people are focused on the year-to-date losses of the NASDAQ index. So when you look at the NASDAQ 100, it's down, you know, 25.6%. Uh, the S&P 500 is down 17.5%, both of which underperformed the TSX, which was down 9.1%. But if you look at the performance since the end of May, uh, NASDAQ actually outperformed the S&P 500 and the TSX as well. So we could 
be seeing you know, that turnaround story uh, in the second part of the year. So uh, overall, I think if you do, do believe that peak inflation story, I think NASDAQ, I would argue, um, could be the place to be. You know, it, it could be the most attractive at this point. Um, if inflation has peaked, you know, the theory is that the Fed could become less hawkish, which would benefit a lot of the technology stocks in the NASDAQ 100, even though, you know, the NASDAQ is in um, a pure tech index, it is very tech heavy, as we all know. So, um, you know, the likelihood is that we're going to continue to see more Fed rate hikes into the year. Um, but at some point, you know, after the new year, if they start signaling for a pause, um, all of a sudden, all those headwinds that were, um, you know, an issue for a lot of the tech stocks, all of a sudden become a tailwind for the NASDAQ uh, constituents. So, um, also, you know, when you're looking at valuations, so just going back to valuations of the NASDAQ 100, it was really extremely overvalued in 2020 and 2021. Uh, if you look at the valuations of the index right now, it's more in line with the 10 years leading up to, you know, the pre-COVID stimulus packages. So if you look at valuations, I wouldn't say it's super attractive at this point, but it's not overvalued at this point either. So I think, you know, earnings on the NASDAQ potentially could be mixed over the quarter. Uh, but the market right now seems to be shrugging off a lot of the bad news. So I think if you're thinking longer term, uh, ZQQ and ZNQ could be well positioned if we start seeing inflation start to peak over the next couple of months. Thanks for that update, Alfred. Many advisors are looking for a long-term covered call strategy that provides additional cash flow while growing invested capital and are finding it in the BMO Covered Call Canadian Banks ETF, ticker ZWB. For 11 years and counting, ZWB has delivered results, participating in sector growth while meeting investor expectations of higher income and lower volatility. To read our comprehensive history of this flagship product, visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Uh, let's continue this story and move over to commodities, where we've seen a, a sharp downwards move in WTI, uh, West Texas, and, and energy prices, and now seeing that under $100 a barrel. Certainly, inflation has been part of the story, but as well, we've had the Russian invasion of Ukraine and uh, ongoing supply issues. So can we get your comments on energy and ZEO moving forward? Thanks. In terms of oil prices, not just oil prices coming off, uh, but obviously the entire commodity complex seems to be losing a lot of momentum over you know, the last month and a half, I would say. Um, you know, Overall, I think bigger picture, I think it is uh, somewhat of a good sign, uh, given that commodity prices are used as inputs. Commodity prices weakening at this point, it's not additive to inflation. Um, also shows that the Fed and other central bank policies are taking effect in terms of reducing demand as well. Uh, in addition to that, in terms of what's weighing on oil prices, you know, the Fed tightening has definitely led to a stronger U.S. dollar. So if you look at the U.S. dollar index, it's up 5.2%, which you know doesn't sound like a lot since uh, the beginning of June. But if you strip out the Canadian dollar, which has also been very strong, uh, you know, the U.S. dollar has been very strong against the other five uh, currencies in that U.S. dollar index. Uh, when you look at commodity prices, also oil as well, it's also pricing in recession at this point. I think those are some of the headwinds in, in which are leading oil prices lower over the last you know, couple of weeks. But I think if you're looking at oil prices and ZEO, you have to kind of look at it in two timeframes. Um, you know, the first timeframe, the more immediate timeframe over the next six to eight months, 
Uh, the likelihood is that we, you know, we do get some kind of an economic slowdown. So we don't know, you know, whether it's going, going to be a shallow recession. We don't know whether it's going to be a deep recession. But oil, oil prices likely will face some headwinds over the short term as the Fed continues to tighten. Uh, the U.S. dollar will con- continue to strengthen against most currencies. Economies will continue to slow as well. So demand for oil likely will be weak over the next couple of months. The longer time frame, however, outside of that, and you know, when you look at the next three to five years, for example, a lot of people are talking about this commodity super cycle. So we're looking at when you look at supply shortages and fossil fuels, I think that's going to be um, a long-term issue. There's a lack of capex spending, as we've been saying on this podcast. Uh, just in terms of you know, companies are really hesitant in terms of investing in new infrastructure at this point. You know, if, if companies know that uh, governments essentially will be transitioning to renewable energy over you know, the next couple, couple of decades, um, you know, a lot of these companies will be hesitant in terms of putting up billions of dollars of capital, knowing that you know, it's going to take four to five years to, to get that infrastructure online, and then an, an additional four to five years to break even on those assets as well. Uh, on top of that, you, know, you, met, you mentioned Russia and Ukraine. Uh, Russia obviously is a big supplier of energy. Uh, so essentially, that crude oil is going to be taken offline, especially to you know, the NATO countries. So even in the best case scenario, if we do get a resolution in the war um, over the next several months, which we likely won't, a lot of the NATO countries probably won't all of a sudden remove their sanctions anyway. So you could consider a lot of that crude energy is going to be taken offline. But I think if you're thinking longer term, um, eventually, you know, the recession is going to pass. So demand will eventually pick back up, especially if China moves away from, you know, its zero COVID policies as well. So eventually, whether it's a year down the road, a year and a half, two years, uh, eventually demand will start outstripping supply again. So, you know, when you're looking at valuations, so I'll talk about valuations again. If you look at, you know, the P ratio on ZEO, it's essentially in line with the TSX right now. And when you consider, you know, free cash flow of a lot of the ZEO companies, they're building up. So if they can't, you know, use that cap, if they can't use that free cash flow to invest in CapEx, the likelihood is that they're going to increase their dividends, they're going to increase their stock buybacks, which would be supportive of stock prices over the long run. So, uh, that's just the oil side of the equation. Uh, when you look at nat gas, uh, Europe may start have to, you know, they may have to look at rationing um, their nat gas inventories once temperatures drop as well. Uh, you know, we could save that conversation for another day, but I think over the short term, over the next six to eight months, I think nat gas potentially is more supportive of ZEO over the short term. Right. Thanks for that update, Alfred. Certainly a lot to think about in the energy space. We released our mid-year ETF outlook report this week, covering trends in the market and ETF activity over the first six months of the year. So looking backwards, what trends are highlighted in the report? Uh, and maybe you can mention a couple of things that might be of interest to advisors listening in. Thanks. Yeah, you know, I, I encourage everyone to take a look at the, the mid-year ETF market review and outlook. Uh, you can find it on the ETF dashboard, so bmoetfs.ca. Uh, you know, I think we've gathered insights from across the management team, so from product to the PM team, and really tried to put together kind of an all-encompassing piece that I think uh, I think you'll really enjoy. You know, what we've tried to do is provide some insight and then also some recommendations on on how to navigate uh, these volatile markets and, and especially kind of what's to come. And then also looked at, you know, based on what's happened, you know, 
how can we see opportunities uh, you know going forward? So in the report, you know, we discuss you know, global ETF trends and flows, and then we narrow in on some some high level uh, you know topics like inflation. You know, fixed income has been very topical given given some of the uh, historic uh, struggles or underperformance we've seen, and then ESG. And then from there, we we do some deep dives into uh, sectors, what has performed well so far, what we think will perform well going forward. Um, looking at some smart beta factors, again, like low vol and dividends, how they perform this year, what we expect of them going forward. And then finally, you know, some insight as to, you know, what's happened in the tech space, uh, as well as kind of a little bit of a crypto overview, and you know, given the wild ride we've seen this year. So I really do think that, that this report covers a lot of different bases, and it's, it's an it's a insightful read to kind of get a little bit of reflection on what's happened, but also kind of look forward and see, okay, you know, now that we're here, where do we go from here? Uh, and, and it does really touch uh, upon every part of your portfolio, whether it be equity, fixed income, uh, kind of some of the alternatives if you're, if you're looking or you're interested in the crypto space. So overall, I think it's an excellent and timely read. You know, it, it can be slow right now in the markets given the kind of we're in the dog days of, of summer. So, you know, if you're sitting out and you're looking for something to read, I encourage you to take a, take a look at uh, the piece that uh, a bunch of us over here have, uh, have kind of put together and put our minds together. Great. Thanks for that update, Matt. And certainly something worth a few minutes of your time uh, to get a sense of what's been going on in the ETF market and perhaps get some different ideas to bring back uh, to everyone's practices. So with that, that's all the questions we have that have come in for today. So I'd like to thank everyone for listening in. Once again, we really appreciate your time. Thanks to both Matt and Alfred, some great insights in the markets, uh, certainly timely with Fed activity uh, ongoing here and what those impacts might be across asset classes and, of course, across the ETF shelf. So thanks for all those updates. And with that, just want to wish everyone a great day. And thanks one last time for listening in. Thank you to Mark Reyes, Alfred Lee, and Matt Montemoro for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO High Quality Corporate Bond Index ETF, ticker ZQB, which provides short-term exposure to Canadian corporate bonds with a rating of A and above. Our experts also discussed the BMO Canadian Bank Income Index ETF, ticker ZBI, which features an attractive yield and exposure to a diversified portfolio of Canadian bank financing instruments, such as fixed income securities and preferred shares for lower volatility. For more information about the other ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.